Today on From A to Ziggy. Afraid! <laughs> Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast where we talk about all of David Bowie's songs in alphabetical order. My name is Thomas. I'm Travis. And today we're talking about Afraid. It's from Heathen, 2002. Were you familiar with this? This was, so a lot of his later stuff I wasn't as familiar with. So this is, this is a song I didn't really know. When, when did you first hear it? How um, familiar are you with it? Wasn't overly familiar. I had never, like, I'd probably heard You'd it heard before, it. but never really listened to it. Okay, I got to tell you, I have loved this album since it came out. This is this. I think later Bowie is probably my favorite era Bowie. So let's talk about this song. This one, this is one of the ones that he had recorded for uh, the Toy album, which is this uh, sort of legendary unreleased album that he was putting together in 2000 or so and it was going to be this uh this revisitation of a lot of his older songs uh, i dig everything was on there baby loves that way uh, silly boy blue liza jane his very first single uh the london boys you've got a habit of leaving me in the heat of the morning really great songs from like the very early days and it was not to be it never came out and some of those wound up as B-sides. You can find those on some of the releases of the Heathen album and on the singles. But Afraid was one of the original songs, the new songs that, was going, that were going to be on Toy. And it wound up on Heathen, sort of a little bit reworked. Which is interesting to me. The impression that I got from the reading I did on, on the Heathen album, how it came to be, was... It basically got scrapped because he had found some new inspiration for, for the album based, you know, that came out of living in New York area around 9-11 and a reaction to that. And Afraid follows a lot of it. Before I read up on the themes throughout the album and I just kind of took a look at the lyrics and digested those myself, it is really interesting that this song that came from before he then came about really already held a lot of the same dark tones but whereas this one it this one feels almost like a dark reaction to fame both both the song and the uh the actual state of being of fame the whole last verse i really thought dealt with a lot of the you know the feelings and anxieties of being a performer and having to be out there kind of selling yourself and needing to feel something through fame and feeling, you know, important through other people admiring you. And, you know, if he puts his faith in, in the medic, well, I mean, obviously medication isn't fame, but the medication that comes with the fame. And metaphorical put, medication. Metaphorical and means. some actual quote-unquote medication. And if I can smile a crooked smile, if I can talk on television, if I can walk an empty mile, then I won't feel afraid. Just that feeling of like, if I just keep going at this pace and doing these things that are more outwardly gratifying, I can kind of deal with these inside demons and not really have to deal with them. Yeah, I've never really understood the meaning of this song. Apparently, and... David Bowie had, had spoken about it in an interview. He said, uh, I guess it's supposed to be an ironic song. He says, it's, quote, well, if I do everything I'm told to do and I do it the way everybody expects things to be done, then I won't be afraid of everything. He, the protagonist, he doesn't really want to do things like that. And so he says, uh, he described the song about as being about 
He said, it's probably the one song on Heathen that I don't see as being representative of me and says that whoever, you know, the, the protagonist of the song says, believes that his security will be bought if he plays the game, so to speak. It's an interesting deceit, but it's not mine, is what David Bowie said about it. So it's sort of, um, you know, do all the things you're expected to do, play the game, fit in, and, uh, you know, everything will work out hunky-dory, so to speak. It'll be just fine. That's a theme that was, it, this song came out in 2002, and I believe it was written in 2000, 2001. So really at the tail end of a time where in popular culture, and especially in alternative music, that was a theme a lot of the time. It was a lot of dealing with that uncertainty. And maybe, he doesn't specifically mention it in that passage, but it does feel like maybe that this song came out, even if it was subconsciously, as like a reaction to that. A reaction to what in particular? Just that, you know, the, the feeling that most artists were putting out at that time. about General? Yeah, if, you know, playing along with the game. and. Do you know any other examples off the top of your head? <laughs> Pick a grunge song. Any, <laughs> any, I, I, I feel like a lot of the, the music that was coming out around that at the time either came from people who had an overall attitude of reluctance to fame or were talking about a reluctance to fame, whether it was authentic or not. Sometimes it was just kind of putting out that feeling because it was just cool, which David Bowie obviously would never do because everything David Bowie does is inherently cool anyway. Inherently genuine? <laughs> inherently genuine. But inherently not acting cool. at all. So it is interesting that he is basically, you know, just saying the song is not actually about me because i guess it, it would be kind of surprising to find out that david bowie actually felt that way considering his output i well i feel like he's definitely processed this and probably felt like that you know early on in his career but i think as he got older he got more comfortable with uh celebrity and all that entails no one ever handled it better than he did <laughs> to just make that you know later on in his career to make the choice to just kind of just stop and do everything on his own terms. Like, no one no one dealt with fame like David Bowie. No one knew how to, like, turn it off and turn it on. Like, I'm ready to be famous now again. Yeah, that's one thing I've read about him, is that uh, when when you would work with him, like when you were doing a, I don't know, like a TV appearance with him or something, once, once the cameras were rolling, and once everything was rehearsed and everything was all ready and the cameras were rolling and the show was going, he was the clean-cut, you know, face of David Bowie that we all know. But... Before that, before all that, he was like the, he was his real self, you know, and his real self would come in just like any old Joe, not dressed to the nines, not clean shaven, and he would blend into the background. You'd, you wouldn't even know it was David Bowie walking up to you and shaking your hand. You know, he, he would be incognito, basically. He would just fit in, and that's, he would have it turned off, like you're saying. Turn it on when the time came. Which I guess leads me to believe that this song came way more from, from actor David Bowie than from singer David Bowie. Yeah, like I said, I think I feel like he's probably processed feelings like these before. Oh, like yeah. This, this whole, you know, self-deception that fitting in is is your key to happiness. But I'm sure, like uh, like many of us, he's he figured that out, hopefully. Like many of us, he's, he's figured that out long ago. Long, long ago. Other, other interesting things with the lyrics to this song for me. One... So, because, not only because this song came out a good, like, 10, 12 years after, but because I didn't really get exposed to it until recently, the first verse, I, I shamefully have to admit, it brought me back to, do you remember that song, that, like, hip-hop song from the 90s? I was like, I wish I was a little bit taller. I, I wish, wish I was, was a baller. baller. Wish I had a 20, wait, no, wait. Girl with the digits, I would call her. 
Wish I had a rabbit and a hat with a bat. bat. The 6'4 six six four four Paula. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. We Googled the lyrics of that at work one time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, and then a youngling had to ask us um, something about that song. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Um, yeah. Wish it w- so he says, I wish I was taller. That's one of the ones. Yeah. yeah that- Which I guess that, that first verse altogether really should have made me realize that this song wasn't technically about him in the moment because he didn't really, you know, give off that air of self-doubt. Yeah, this is a very, very insecure song. I feel like I'm having a lot of revelations as we go along about this song. Yeah. (laughs) Which is weird. Well, having spent most of last week with this song. I've I've never actually analyzed the lyrics until this very moment, too. So, but yeah, it's very, I wish I was smarter. I wish I was taller, you know? What's the second verse even mean? What I would take from that is just kind of pushing forward in the face of all that self-doubt, whether it's real or just for show um we've all been there <laughs> like i um i was in a position for a while where i was um i was working with kids but also in like this really awful depression so there was a lot of that like having that belief that he talks about in that second little verse and then jumping back into that but i'm still so afraid and that actually brings me to thing i wanted to bring up for this uh song just that that little verse uh about believing more John Lennon, where he talks about how he believes in Beatles. It's a nod to that John Lennon song, God, where he just lists off everything he doesn't believe in and closes it off with, and I don't believe in Beatles. What does he say? I just believe in... I just believe, I believe in, in me. I don't believe in Beatles. I believe in me. Yeah. He doesn't believe in Bob Dylan. He doesn't believe in <laughs> God. Just all of these... It, it comes like, back to what we were saying about John Lennon last week, where, love John Lennon, favorite Beatle, but if you know, if uh, an artist I love came out with that song today, if, I guess there really is no parallel to someone that I love, you know, going solo and then being like, I don't believe in this giant, mega, amazing thing I created. Like, I'm a pretentious ass. He's, he's divisive. He's a provocateur, mm. John Lennon. Which is, well, yeah, it's one of the things I love so much about. But what he's saying in that song, in God, is, uh, is that it's important to have... What's what? What is it called? The what's it got? The hierarchy of needs. Oh all, yeah, all of those met. Yeah, you 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 fulfill like self uh, actualization, and it's about that. It's like about you know not only believing in yourself, but like knowing, you know, that you can accomplish things. That you're a person, an individual with power, and not relying on you know idols or idealism separate from yourself. Um, I really I would I wonder what you know if such afterlife exists what john lennon would be saying to david bowie about that part where like so Dave, when john lennon's saying i don't believe in all these things but i haven't believed me and i don't believe in beatles and then for david bowie to basically be saying i believe in beatles and that's what gets you know or at least through this character believing in beatles makes me feel not so afraid which absolutely helps <laughs> i can tell you from experience absolutely helps beatles man oh man beatles gets you through yeah, and it, it helps us as listeners to like have this sort of ideal thing outside of ourselves to, to look towards uh, for hope and inspiration. But I think the message of this song is ultimately ironic to what, to, like he said, it's ironic to, what he's, to the actual words of the song. The message is that these kinds of things, these, this outside uh, ideal is ultimately not you know, your salvation. It's you. You have to believe in yourself and do 
your own thing to succeed or to relieve, you know, whatever fear you have. So it's kind of like him and John Lennon are taking two completely separate paths to the exact same destination. Yeah, one one direct and uh, iconoclastic, almost literally, and then the other, you know, ironic through this kind of timid character. Yeah, so fairly deep. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a good one. I talked. We talked a little bit about how it came about. It was recorded originally in 2000. It came out over the web. David and his producer performed a live version over BowieNet, his online community that he'd started up, where he would have chat rooms and answer questions, and he had all kinds of stuff going on and like exclusive downloads of songs. And then I guess he had this live performance that they did, and Afraid was one of the songs that came out there. So the song was written, the, the, the writing of this song was inspired by David having read the memoir of the Rolling Stones manager, Andrew Oldham. Uh, he wrote this memoir and he described locking Mick Jagger and Keith Richards in a flat and refusing to let them leave until they had written something. And so they tried that and David locked himself up in the lounge of the recording studio and wasn't able to come out until he had written the song and he wrote this song. And that's, that's the story of how the song is written. So it's only containing David Bowie to room slightly easier than containing Mick Jagger and Keith Richards probably. in a room. Probably so, yeah. I feel like when David Bowie was younger, you could probably convince him to stay locked in a room pretty easily. Yeah. Or at least uh, the song we'll talk about later this week, After All, makes him seem that way. Very, very bed-sitting, solitary. What else can we say about this song? How about ratings? How, how would you rate this song? Ratings. I would give it... Out of five. Out of five, I would give it three deep contemplations into the meaning of what it all means, which isn't the most efficient unit of measure. Three deep contemplations. How, how about three deep meditations into the nature of fame? Three deep meditations into the nature of fame. All right. I, I'd agree. I'd give it three. About three. Three of those deep meditations into the nature of fame. All right, so let's sign off. It's been an, a, an interesting conversation, a much deeper conversation than I was expecting about this song. Like, I, well, that's yeah, an unexpected. That's thinker. that's what David Bowie songs do: is they sort of elevate, elevate you, um, and send you sort of soaring through the sky of intellectual. Uh, no, this is this is terrible. This is awful. Well, speaking of yeah, launching speak- into the sky. Oh, oh yeah, you can right. join us. For our next one, where we will be discussing African Night Flight is our, is Night our Flight next, is our next one. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, at From A to Ziggy. You can visit our website, fromatoziggy.com. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash from A to Ziggy. Point your web browser to Facebook, that's F-A-C-E-B-O-O-K dot C-O-M slash from A to Ziggy. <laughs> This Facebook thing, guys, I think it's going to catch on. It's the future. This is the future. Leave a comment on the website. Tell us what you thought of Afraid. Uh, What's your favorite David Bowie song? Chime in. Um, Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, We will see you next time. African Night Flight is our, is our next, our next episode. One.
sip some, what's an African drink? I don't know. Um, no, that wasn't as good a transition. No, that didn't work too well. well. <laughs>